welcome to mini episode 215 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have four spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from the 4th of October 2022 and story number one comes from Andrea. My mom grew up in Aurora, Illinois in a very active house. Once she told me she came home as a teenager to an empty house. Before going in she saw silhouettes of people walking around the house. When my sister and I were growing up We could hear footsteps upstairs even when no one was up there. The back two rooms were the worst. One had very dark energy and the other was just creepy. The clown paintings probably didn't help. The front bedroom had a better energy, but there was still something there. Now, I should have started out by telling you that I'm the family freak. I have recollections from before I'm supposed to, and I've always seen spirits or ghosts or whatever you want to call them. We lived in Alexandria, Virginia when I was about a year old. I can tell you exactly how the apartment was set up. I can also remember that my mom was trying to move me to sippy cups rather than the bottle. Being the classic tourist that I am, I wasn't ready to give my bottles up. I was in my high chair and saw them in a cabinet my mother opened. When she was away from the kitchen, I opened the drawers to climb so I could get to the cabinet and get my bottles. It sounds ridiculous at that age, but my mother will tell you it's true. She never told me the story until I told her I remembered and she was shocked. Now, when I was six, we lived in a townhouse in Aurora, Illinois. I refused to go to the bathroom upstairs by myself and my sister Anne would have to take me. When asked, I explained to my mom that there was a woman in our bathtub that would stare at me. She did some research because my whole immediate family is sensitive and found a woman had slit her wrists in that bathroom. That's probably the worst that I've seen. I've seen soldiers, an old lady in a rocking chair, a cowboy, and random dark figures in the house I grew up in, in Spotsylvania, Virginia. I've seen the top of a blonde head walking into the kitchen in an apartment I lived in, in Midlothian, Virginia. I thought that was my daughter waking up and coming into the kitchen with me, but when she didn't respond to my good morning... I went to find her sound asleep in her bed. She has told me about her sister up there. I had to terminate a tubal pregnancy before I had my daughter and didn't know what the gender was. She was two when she told me, so I had never discussed that with her either. There are things in my house now, but they keep away for the most part. Yesterday, I was napping on the sofa with my face towards the back of it. I felt movement at my feet and I thought it was just the dog, and then I realised it couldn't be. There was a knocking close to my head, so I began to think that my mom had travelled in for a surprise visit and setting down a drink. Nope, the dog would be going haywire. Last, I felt someone's head coming over my neck as if to look at my face. My daughter is with her father for this weekend, so I am home alone. I tried with everything I had to open my eyes or mouth or to even move, but I couldn't. It took a lot to finally make a mumble or a humming noise through closed lips for the paralysis to break. I've had sleep paralysis before, but never with the feeling someone else is there. By far the worst experience ever, 100% would not recommend. Zero out of five stars, would not recommend. No, Andrea, I feel for you because honestly sleep paralysis is not pleasant. Um, I don't know if I talked about it in the main episode, but I definitely talked about it on Patreon. I had sleep paralysis for the first time recently and it, no, wouldn't recommend wouldn't recommend it was not pleasant it's not good I would not want it to happen again did not enjoy no way and I kind of think that having a room with clown paintings in your house like it is a little bit of a flex (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a little bit like, yeah, I know this room is creepy, but you know what? I don't care. I'm going to make it doubly creepy. Or this room isn't creepy. Well, let's change that and add some clown paintings. And I very much enjoy that you described yourself as the family freak. That's definitely what this episode is going to be titled because it is a title that we should all aspire to. And uh, on the topic of memories, I know obviously that's crazy that you remember that from being a year old. There is a woman, and if you Google her, like this is genuine, this isn't like I'm, this isn't a made up story, but there is a woman who has a neurological condition, which means that she can remember everything from literally from the day that she was born. How weird is that? Like she can remember her own birth and I'm not making that up. Honestly, Google her. How crazy is that? I mean, I would not want that. I do not want to remember all of the moments of my life. And I do, I do just think that it's crazy that there are people like you, Andrea, knocking around that can just see spirits, ghosts, whatever it is that you want to call them. Like, how do you man? how do you not get over, because it's not the right word, but how do you learn to live with seeing a woman who has slit her wrists or random soldiers, an old lady in a rocking chair, cowboys, I mean, cowboys is kind of cool, but besides that, like, how do you... How do you deal with having seen that? Like, how do you manage that? How do you live with it every day? Like, when you go to sleep at night, do those things flash into your brain? Or do you just learn to block them out and forget about them? I just find it incredible. And strain number two comes from Rosie. This happened about six years ago when I was working in London and living in a town just outside of London. On this particular day, I was feeling quite lazy and decided to take the much longer train journey home, which meant I could go almost door to door with no train changes or underground. The reason I didn't do this journey often was because not only did it take much longer, but it was always dead about 15 minutes into the journey and I didn't like being on an empty train. On this particular day, everything went as usual. I was on the train and it was quite busy until the usual stop when the train emptied out. After everyone was off the train, where it had began moving again, I made a point to look around and up and down the train to see how many people were nearby. My carriage was completely empty, and the connecting ones were. The only visible person was a few carriages down. I felt a little uneasy, but just kept my mind busy by browsing on my phone. A few minutes passed, and I looked up, startled, to see in the reflection of the window. It was winter and dark outside, so the windows reflected the whole inside of the carriage. There was a man sat on the next group of four seats in front of me with his back to me. I stared at him in disbelief as no one had come past me to sit down and I was 100% sure no one was in the carriage when we set off from the previous stop. He was sat hunched over with a coat and a cap on but I couldn't see his face. I was so confused that I even stood up slightly to see over the top of the seat and saw the top of his cap. As confused as I was, I thought I must have just missed him coming to sit down, as it's the only explanation I could come up with. I looked back down at my phone and carried on what I was doing. Then, all of a sudden, less than a minute later, there was a loud bang as one of the seats next to mine suddenly flipped up. The noise made me look up, where I then saw the man was gone. I was in complete shock and stood up to look up and down the train. As before, the only person I could see was the same person a few carriages down. It still gives me shivers to this day, and I always wonder what I would have seen had I tried to look at his face. Another story which I think is a comforting one. A couple of years ago, my nana was in hospital. My granddad had passed away two weeks prior due to COVID. She was recovering from COVID and otherwise had been a very healthy woman. 
but she had had a fall and needed some physio. We were really concerned about her, but the hospital staff had reassured us there was nothing they could see wrong apart from the injury to her arm. One night I had a dream. I was with some of who I knew in my dream to be my grandparents' old East End mates, but they were all young. I saw my nana and she looked so much younger and healthier. I asked if she was okay and she said, Yes, I feel so much better. I was then awoken by what sounded like someone standing on the hot water bottle next to my bed. A few seconds later, I heard my dad on the phone to the hospital. My nana had passed away unexpectedly in the night. I really believe my dream was a visit from her to let us know that she was okay. It's a comfort to think that it was. Oh, that train story really gave me the heebie-jeebies. And trains are a funny thing because they're quite a liminal space and generally you think of a train as being like full of life and full of people travelling from one place to another and it is creepy when you're on the train, on a train carriage and, it, and it's night time and suddenly you realise, oh shit, I'm... I'm on my own in this carriage. I think it's also equally as creepy when you're on a train carriage and there's only like one other person on it. And generally, that person is going to be absolutely fine, right? There's not going to be any trouble with that person, but you know. And I think when you're traveling on your own on a train carriage, you do try and, like you will check and see if there's other people there. I know that I personally will do a quick check to see, right, how many other people are on the carriage and where are they sitting? Are they sitting close to me? Are they sitting far away from me so I know that it, so I know if they move or I'm aware when they get off the train? And I think that's just a, a human safety thing, isn't it? We do these things to keep ourselves safe. And then all of a sudden you realise, shit, you see in the reflection there is somebody else on the carriage and that close to you as well. And if we talk about people like when they die, kind of reliving moments of their life or reliving patterns of behaviour in their life you know we always hear of hauntings where the footsteps walk down the corridor and open the door every night what if it's the same thing for trains like some people have to get the train every single day to get to work or some people really love trains it might be a fundamental part of their daily routine to be on a train oh I don't I doesn't bear thinking about if you would try to look at his face or if you tried to speak to him or say anything to him and for the last four years I've been doing this podcast and I'd like to consider myself you know, an open-minded sceptic. I don't believe in everything. I don't judge people's stories. Um, But the one thing that, I don't know, as time goes on, I feel more and more inclined towards believing is visitation stories. And not just stories of people who have passed away visiting people in their dreams, but also people who have experience, you know, they, they dream of people in, in their time of death. I think that's, I think it's just wild that that happens. And also, it sounds to me like you got to see your grandmother at a time in her life that must have been really vibrant and fun and full of life with all her old friends and they were all younger and having a laugh. Oh, makes me all emotional. And story number three comes from Alexis. I'm really excited that I have another story to tell that just happened today. I was in my theatre class and we were talking about the play we saw as a class on Sunday night. I got up and went to the restroom and while I was handling business I heard the water come on. Then it kept going on and off and on and off. So I looked through the slit in the door and I saw a tall woman with a peach coloured sweater on. I flushed the toilet and saw her standing there and the water going. As soon as I opened the door there was no one. I heard no paper towels being pulled out, no footsteps walking away and saw no one immediately outside the restroom. 
And now I think of it, I heard no footsteps going into the restroom, just the water turning on. Alexis, I am very curious about this. So is this, are you in a, in a, in a college building, like a university building? Are you in a secondary school? What do they call it in America? A high school? I'm assuming by your use of the word sweater that you're American. So like, is it an old high school? Like I have so many questions. So many questions. I also would love to know, did you like burst back into the classroom and go, you won't believe what just happened to me? Because that's, that's what I would do. And it's nice to know that even in the afterlife, hygiene standards are still there. It's still important. Wash your hands after you go to the toilet. For general hygiene and in these COVID times, like it's good to know. Good to know, setting a good example. And story number four comes from Anonymous. A couple of my friends, John and Kate, recently got a motorboat. So they invited my girlfriend Steph and I to spend some time out there with them, fishing and hiking. We love the outdoors, despite living in a fairly populous city. So we jumped at the chance and told them we'd make the trip out later that month. When we arrived at John and Kate's home, they told us that they had the perfect lake picked out. John said they had been there the previous week and the fish were practically jumping into the boat. It was a little bit of a drive, including down a really dubious dirt road, but we all arrived in one piece. As we were unloading the gear and getting ready to back the boat into the water, John and I started chatting about the kind of lures we were going to use and what path around the lake we were going to take. Then John told me that last week when he and Kate had been fishing on the lake, their motor had suddenly died and refused to turn back on until they had paddled around for a bit. He pointed out where it had happened, near one of the big tree-filled islands in the north corner of the lake. He said that their motor wouldn't work in about a 100-foot radius of the island. This kind of gave me a weird feeling, but Steph, overhearing what John said, came up to me and suggested that we have our lunch on the island. Steph isn't easily scared. I obviously didn't want to come off as unreasonably spooked, so I said that if John and Kate were down, I was fine with it. Kate chimed in that she did think that she may have seen a bench and a campfire area on the island, so if we caught some walleye, we could do a fish fry. We loaded up the boat, got in the water, hopped in, and took off to a rocky area of the lake where John said the walleye had been biting the week before. Both Steph and I caught, and both fish were big enough to keep. After a couple of hours, we were all getting hungry, so we headed to the island. As had happened the previous week, the boat's motor kicked out as we approached the island. John and I each grabbed a paddle and guided the boat towards the island. As we pulled up to the shore, and John and I hopped out to tether the boat to a rock, I thought I heard speaking, or more like a low chattering from the trees. Nobody else seemed to notice it though, so I brushed it off. As Kate had said, there was a bench and a small dugout with a metal grill placed over the top of it, so after John and I filleted the fish, we had actually quite a nice fish fry. While we were cleaning up though, I heard a crack from inside the forest, seemingly to the right of our group. I froze. Steph noticed and looked in the direction that I was looking, the direction that the noise had come from. I wasn't thinking paranormal at that point, I was thinking, oh god, there's a bear going to rip our throats out. I think Steph must have been thinking the same thing because she grabbed her backpack and brought out her bear bell and started shaking it so that if the bear wasn't stalking us already, it wouldn't be surprised and it wouldn't attack us to protect itself. This got John and Kate's attention and they stood stock still as I was. Then I heard another crack in the forest. 
but this time it seemed in a completely different area from the first noise to the left of us. And a split second later, another crack directly across from us. These cracks were loud. I could hear them over Steph's bell. It was at that point that I realised it didn't sound like something moving around. It sounded like three different things advancing on us from different locations. Steph slowly stopped ringing her bell. Everything went silent. I remember straining to hear the sound of birds or something that would have been comforting. But all there was was deafening silence. Then another crack, the closest yet. Kate screamed, which startled us all into motion. John and Kate ran for the boat. I saw Steph get up and throw her bell into her backpack and I grabbed her hand and we took turns practically dragging each other towards the boat in a total panic. When we reached the boat, we all got in and John used one of the paddles to push us off. And I'll tell you, you have no idea how difficult it is to coordinate rowing while you're trying not to shit your pants in fear and you have everyone yelling and scared. Somehow, by the grace of a higher power, we managed to get a distance from the island that we felt a little safer and the motor had turned back on. Then I noticed Steph was staring back towards the area on the island that we had just been panicking on. She noticed my gaze. Then she pointed and mouthed something like, Fuck. Look. And so I did. On the island, something was moving around, slinking around, more like, right around the edge of the tree line. The way it was moving, it was like when you're playing a video game and the frame rate is messed up. It was hard to focus on, even though it wasn't really that far away. I think it was bipedal, but it didn't really seem to be using its legs. It wasn't any kind of Ontario wildlife, I know that for sure. I got a nauseated fear-type feeling from looking at it, so I forced myself to shift back around. John and Kate saw too, and they all gawked at this thing while I forced myself to look in the other direction. When we got back to shore and our car... We quietly packed up and got the hell out of there. Back at John and Kate's house, the floodgates opened and we kind of just started babbling at each other like, what the fuck was that? Did you fucking see that? Did you see the way it moved? But all of the talking we did, we never really got a good resolution or a consensus out of it. We haven't been out to that chain of lakes since and don't plan on it. Oh, you guys are all coming in with the kick-ass stories today. Kick-ass stories so what could it be that, first of all, caused the motor to cut out on your engine? Like on the boat, I mean. Because it sounds like those things are connected, right? I mean, that can't be a coincidence that the motor cuts out around the island, then you get onto the island and there's these glitchy video game bipedal creatures that are stalking you from the woods, living on this island. I mean, if you want to be like, if you want to be creatures that don't get found by humans then live on an island in the middle of a big lake nobody's going to disturb you when you're there and I firmly believe that that feeling of that feeling of real panicked sick nauseated I don't know what I'm looking at but I know it isn't good fear I feel like that fear is like primal that it exists within us that we instinctively know when something something is really wrong when something has the power to hurt you or it's like that good feeling when you walk into a room and you think, ooh, something's not good here. Or you meet a person that you feel like, oh, this person isn't a good person. That primal sick feeling is definitely like it just exists within us. So whatever that was, I feel like 
you instinctively knew that it wasn't good even though you didn't know what it was and I'm dying to know what people think I, I read a really good reddit post the other day about the lore and legend of various indigenous peoples and the stories that they were told growing up and all the different creatures and and it really really got me to thinking because the world's a big place Canada's a big place there's lots of space up there for weird and wonderful things to be running around without getting caught Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Andrea, Rosie, Alexis and Anonymous for sending in your stories. Remember the last story came from the 4th of October 2022. If you want to send in your story you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com and if you are desperate for extra content you can sign up to Patreon that is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month you get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note I shall see you next time.